Section six of Liljekrona's Home by Selma Lagerlöf, translated from the Swedish by Anna Barwell. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Reading by Lars Rolander. Liljekrona's Home by Selma Lagerlöf. Section six, Chapter five. THE PASTOR OF SVARTSJÖ On the New Year's Eve the pastor popped his head in at the kitchen door. What had they done with little Stormwind? He hadn't seen her out with her toboggan on the hill. Surely they didn't mean to keep her sitting indoors from morning to night like the other women folk. It was little maid he was asking for. On her very first day in Lövdala he had taken her with him to the tool-house, and looked out a sleigh for her. And every morning since he had come to remind her to go out and coast. At the same time he used to take the opportunity of teasing the housekeeper and maids a little by asking them if they really preferred sitting shut up in the kitchen all day. But this time he quickly got his answer that the child had meant to go out as usual, but her mother had just come to see her. So Little Maid had taken her to the dairy to look at the cows. The pastor stepped back and shut the door. He stood still for a minute or two, thinking, then turned his steps to the dairy. The kitchen folk followed him with their eyes as he went. He looked old and weak after his illness in the autumn, but it was an understood thing that he must speak to everyone who came to the house so it was some time before he could get as far as Marit of Koltorp. To begin with, Longbengt called out to him that a man had just brought a sick horse to ask if the pastor knew of any remedy. And as soon as he had attended to the horse, up came two peasants who had to divide an inheritance and wanted him to say how much each ought to have, so that they need not take the matter into court and it took a good hour before he could settle the matter sufficiently to offer them a drink to seal their agreement. Meanwhile Little Maid was sitting in a dark corner of the dairy, talking to her mother, each of them on a milking-stool, and Little Lad on his sister's lap. He had been so pleased to see her again that there was no getting him away. Mother and her little son had stayed on a few days at Nygård, but now they were going home, and had taken the longer road past Lövdala to see how Little Maid was getting on. Little Maid had surely never before felt such happiness as when she saw her mother step into the kitchen, coming as she did in the very nick of time to help her in her great trouble. When they got down to the dairy, Mother had, first of all, to say what she thought of the new tale of Snow White that Little Maid had been lying listening to for the last two nights. Was it possible that the pastor's daughter had been talking of herself? When Little Maid had told it all as well as she could, her mother was silent for a long time, but at last she said, I expect they did not think you were wise enough to understand what they said. But as you were, you must show you are wise enough to not to repeat it. 
But that was not all. Little Maid had something else upon her mind as well. Yesterday morning the pastor's wife had come to her and asked so gently and kindly if she was happy or if she felt homesick. No, indeed, of course, she was happy and so comfortable. And she did so love the hens. Oh, yes, laughed the pastor's wife. And is there no one else you love besides the hens? Indeed, yes. Little Maid loved the pastor's daughter as well. And the pastor's wife had laughed again. Why was it that she loved Mamsel Maya Lisa? Because she talked so beautifully. Well, now, said the pastor's wife, can you understand how she knows all she tells you? I expect she finds it in the books that she sits reading at night, was Little Maid's answer. Oh, she sits reading at night, does she? asked the pastor's wife in the same gentle tone. Then I suppose she has a candle? She reads by some light, I know, answered Little Maid. Now that night, no sooner had the pastor's daughter and Little Maid got into bed than the pastor's wife came in as usual and took away their candle. But when the house was quiet, the pastor's daughter got up and fetched the tallow candle, which she had hidden in the great grandfather clock, crept out into the kitchen, blew up the embers in the grate to get a light, and sat down to read. She had a brother away in Uppsala, who used to write verses and send them to her, for he knew she was desperately fond of such things. And tonight she was learning them by heart. She must have been reading something very beautiful, for she did not hear the door open, and never lifted her head until the pastor's wife stood over her and stretched out her hand to take the light from the candlestick. "'I suppose you want to bring us all to the poorhouse," said her stepmother, "'sitting here burning a light all night. Where did you get it from?' "'It is not dear mother's candle,' said the pastor's daughter. "'Whoever it belongs to, I'll see to it that you don't sit here bringing us to poverty,' said the stepmother. "'I'll teach you to waste the candles, I can tell you.' With this she went away, but soon came back with a great piece of linen over her arm. "'Since you like sitting up at night,' she said, "'you can at any rate make yourself useful. See to it that this sheet is seamed up by tomorrow morning.' And then she did go, but her stepdaughter had to sit up all night over her sewing. And someone else had no sleep either, and that was Little Maid, who lay there reproaching herself for having ever said that the pastor's daughter used to sit up reading at night. And this was why she had been so glad to see her mother. She could picture no greater misfortune than that Mamsel Maya Lisa should get to know what she had done and she begged her mother to take her home. She could not stay at the parsonage. Mother reminded her how comfortable she was, but little Maid did not mind being cold and hungry, if only she could get away before the pastor's daughter was angry with her. But mother insisted she should stay. Raklitsa shan't go on domineering like this long, she said. I will speak to the pastor myself. I have known him many a long day, 
and I think he'll believe me. At that moment little lad pointed to the door. There's someone standing there, he said. Little maid and her mother turned round at once. There stood the pastor in the shadow a few paces from them, leaning motionless against the wall. They were so terrified that they did not venture to get up and say good morning. When had he come, and how much had he heard? Marit, come along with your milking stool, he said in a weak voice. She hurried up with the little stool, and he sank down on it. Don't fetch anyone, said the pastor. It is only a giddy turn. You know, I have had them all my life. They stood helpless before him. Marit of Kaltorp was astounded to see how old he had grown. She had not noticed it so much at her brother's Christmas dinner, but now she saw how thin and shrunken he looked. "'It isn't dangerous,' he went on, "'but it comes pretty often nowadays. You see, Marit, I'm about done for.' Very soon after he got up, "'Don't say anything about it up at the house,' he said as he went out of the dairy, with bent head and faltering steps. Chapter 6 The Magic Pancake Late on New Year's Eve the pastor's daughter came walking down the hillside to the brewhouse room, where her grandmother, Fru Beata Spark, had lived for many a long year. She was leading little maid by the hand, and you could hear them coming, a long way off, by the little shrill screams they uttered every time they lost the path and stepped into the snowdrift at the edge. It was foggy and pitch-dark, without the least glimmer from moon or stars, and but for the tiny glint of light through grandmother's shutters, they could scarcely have groped their way to the brew-house. That Christmas there had been so dreadfully many feasts, both for rich and poor, that the days had been only too short for them all. The pastor and his wife had even been obliged to go away on New Year's Eve, but Mamsel Maya Lisa had not gone with them as she usually did. She had been ordered to stay at home and to see that the men and maids were properly provided with the same quantity of fish and porridge as on Christmas Eve just as if the old housekeeper could not have managed it all quite well. But in spite of this, the pastor's daughter was in very good spirits. A good part of the afternoon she had been telling tales and singing folk songs to Little Maid, who had surely never enjoyed herself so much before. After supper, Mamsel Maya Lisa had point-blank refused to go to bed. She said on New Year's Eve she would at any rate try to peep a little into the future before she went to sleep wouldn't little maid like to help make a magic pancake little maid had no idea what a magic pancake was but she said yes at once and she would have said the same even if mamsel maya lisa had invited her to help make a viper soup but you must not speak nor laugh all the time we are making it said the pastor's daughter and you mustn't spill on to the floor the least drop of water or grain of flour or salt. 
"'What is there hard in that?' said Little Maid. She could keep from talking or laughing as long as ever she wanted. But then came the difficulty that there must be three to help in the making, and the pastor's daughter had no idea where she was to find the third. They went into the kitchen and asked if there was anyone there who would help make a magic pancake. But the maids only threw up their hands and declined when they heard the question. They had done enough of that in their day. After they had eaten the magic pancake, they had had neither sleep nor dreams, and they were not going to be tempted to try such a dish again. The pastor's daughter stood and thought and thought. We shall have to go down and ask grandmother to help us, she said. And this was why they were out on the dark New Year's Eve, picking their way amongst the snowdrifts. But the pastor's daughter thought it only fitting that a New Year's Eve should be pitchy dark, a true picture of that future which no eye can pierce. Grandmother lived in a garret room above the brew house. How hard it was to climb the stairway, built out as it was from the wall, with its narrow, steep steps, so slippery now, with trampled snow, that to tread on them was almost to risk one's life. But everyone had to get used to the dark at Lövdala, for the pastor's wife allowed no lights except in the dairy and stable. However, grandmother must have heard them coming, for when they were halfway up the stair, she set the door wide open, and she had her branched candlestick alight on the table before the sofa and the fire crackling in the stove. Grandmother was tall and thin and looked delicate. She was not at all like the pastor's daughter in face, nor could she very well be, for she was only her mother's stepmother but she was just as fond of her as if she had been her own flesh and blood. It seemed as though Fru Beata had some special art of her own, for whatever it might be like in other places, in her home it was always warm, bright and tidy. She had but the one room where she lived and slept, but her bed, with its white curtains hanging down from a gilded curtain rod, was an ornament in itself and the same might be said of her bright little copper pans and china plates and dishes in the corner cupboard. She was refined and graceful herself, but her hands were so tortured with gout that her fingers were twisted and stiff, so twisted indeed that it was no easy matter to shake hands with her, for it was almost impossible to get a firm hold of them. The pastor's daughter told their errand, and grandmother, with a smile, promised her help. There was someone she was just expecting, and she would like to know if he was coming next year. It was best, of course, to stay in grandmother's room and make the pancake there. First they took down a dish out of the little corner cupboard behind the stove all three holding on to the edge and putting it on the little kitchen table. Then they must get a wooden spoon, so all three went to the little corner cupboard, which served as grandmother's china pantry. All three held the spoon handle and laid it on the dish. 
Next they poured in three spoonfuls of water, which all three fetched from the great copper pitcher, and no one spoke or laughed as they went about their work. That done, three spoonfuls of flour had to go into the water. All three held the spoon as they dipped it into the floor tub. All three lifted it up and emptied the floor into the water. No one left hold of the spoon, no one spoke, no one laughed, and no one let the least grain of flour drop to the ground. Then they added three spoonfuls of salt, and again not a word, nor a laugh, nor a single grain spilt. But will you believe that when they had got as far as that, Grandmother asked if it must be put straight away into the frying-pan. The moment she asked the question, down went the spoon, and the pastor's daughter threw herself on her chair and laughed and laughed. Little Maid kept her fingers on it indeed, but was so overcome with the fun that she had to fall on the floor and have her laugh out there. Grandmother's lips twitched a little too. Perhaps the words wouldn't have slipped out if she had not remembered of old that there was no fun at all in making a dream pancake unless some such little misfortune happened, and she liked to see the pastor's daughter forget all her troubles and have a little laugh. And when they had laughed their fill they set about their work once more, for nothing that they had prepared was of any more use and they had to begin again from the beginning. But that was not so easy when they were once well overcome with laughter. First they poured three spoonfuls of water into the dish. They got no farther before they burst out laughing again. The pastor's daughter was the worst. Little Maid was not nearly so bad as she, but for fully five minutes more they were helpless with merriment. Then the pastor's daughter told the others that they really must behave properly, or the magic pancake would not be ready till all hours of the night. "'I fancy we shall manage,' said Grandmother, "'if only you can be serious yourself.' First they put in the water, then the floor, and then the salt, and stirred it all up into a dough. All three held the spoon whilst they stirred with never a word, never a laugh, nor the least drops built on the floor. When they had rolled it into a pancake, they laid it in the frying pan. And it didn't look a bit tastier than the mess of meal that fowls and pigs get for their breakfast. It was really not so good, for it was quite stiff and hard and glistening with all the salt they had put in. They put it on the fire, and let one side cook, and then turned it, all holding the spoon, all helping to turn, and no one dropping it in the cinders. At last it was ready, and had to be eaten. The pastor's daughter and little maid were by this time so eager that there was not the least danger of their laughing. They were too busy thinking that now they might perhaps get a glimpse into the far future to be willing to throw away such a great opportunity. The dream pancake shone so with salt, 
that it needed some courage to taste it. But they divided it into three portions, and then ate them as best they could. Little Maid ate up her share, for she knew that was the proper way, and she was very particular to carry out all directions. Grandmother only tasted a tiny, tiny bit, and it is not certain that she swallowed it either. The pastor's daughter ate just one mouthful, for much as she wished to know the future, she was really not able to get down a single crumb more. The two girls were both a little disappointed in the magic pancake, but not a word did either of them say. They only nodded good-night to grandmother as she stood in the doorway, silently lighting them down the stair. They tore at full speed over the path up the garden, for the night no longer seemed so dark and impenetrable as before, but rather as if it was waiting to draw aside the veil and show them all its hidden secrets, but they dared not stay to look. The maids were already in bed when they crept through the kitchen, but of course they all asked them how they had got on, if they had dreamed yet, and whom they had dreamt about. But all to no purpose, for not a word was to be got out of them. Little Maid's eyes closed as she lay down, and she slept till next morning. When she did awake she had a salt taste in her mouth, but try as she might, she could not remember any dream at all. Grandmother did not sleep at all, but next day she sat quiet and silent as then nigh still in a dream. It seemed as if she really must have learned something. Neither was the pastor's daughter able to get much sleep, for she had been so parched with thirst, and yet it would never have done to drink anything before she fell asleep. Even a single drop would have spoilt the whole charm. When she awoke in the morning, she could not clearly recollect if she had dreamt anything. But later in the day she chanced to go out into the porch, and then she stopped short, for she remembered that the night before in her dream she had stood just on the same spot. And as she stood there, two strangers, an old man and a young, had come walking up the gravel path and the old one had said that he was Pastor Liljekrona, and had come with his son to ask if she was thirsty, and would like a drink of water. And the young man had stepped forward at once, with a glass of clear, fresh water in his hand, and offered it to her. But when the pastor's daughter remembered this, she was so filled with amazement that she trembled in every limb. For if one thing is sure and certain, it is that he who steps forward and offers you water in your dream after the magic pancake, he and he alone will in time to come be your wedded husband. End of section 6 Read by Lars Rolander